You're listening to the Comic Book Informer Podcast with Vince and Raj, a podcast for everyone from comic nerds to comic noobs. You know who you are. Now here's your host, Vince. Hello, everybody, and welcome to issue 247 of the Comic Book Informer Podcast, <laughs> coming to you on that January 19th. And uh, yes, I'd like to give a big shout out to Hannah for filling in here last week. I really enjoyed listening to the episode, and it's really great to get a differing point of view from the two of us sometimes. Yeah. Uh, what's funny is that for anybody who didn't listen, we obviously started off while well, I sprung it on her because we'd been talking about it off air, uh, the Jessica Jones episode that we did. And what's funny is that when we initially recorded that, I was actually anticipating a lot more resistance from you from a lot of the opinions that I had. Not all of them, but certainly a lot more. And and I was surprised when we kind of agreed on a number of things. So this was cool. I wanted to make sure that she didn't feel like I was challenging her on anything because, again, everybody's entitled to their opinions kind of thing. So we didn't really back and forth it too much, a little bit more towards the end, but even then not that much. But it was really, really nice getting her take on on, on what she thought about the series as well. Mm-hmm. And not only that, I wasn't here when you liked a Deadpool comic. Yeah. <laughs> you missed your golden opportunity. <laughs> <laughs> and you did a great job, I have to say, leading into that discussion. Right before like you actually said you liked it, I was like, oh God, he hated this comic. <laughs> That's because you, you did know that on me. Purpose or not? That's because you know me. <laughs> you, you just what are the odds? If we're playing the odds, it's fairly good. Well, not bet just that. that the I, way you led into the discussion, I was like, "Oh man, he hated this. He <laughs> thought it was terrible." It was not bad, actually. <laughs> so yeah, I actually, again, it's one of those where I I can tell when something is, and it's not to say necessarily that it's the best written or anything like that, but that I really liked it because. I'm looking forward to the next issue, and that is actually one of them. I'm really looking forward to seeing where it's going to go. Cool, cool stuff. So, yes, that and A-Force were originally on the discussion list for last week. But I picked what we didn't well, – what you guys didn't cover in last week, added in a few others, and hey, we got another show here. There you Starting go. off with Uncanny X-Men number one, written by Cullen Bunn, art by our best friend Greg Land, Jay Leaston, and Nolan Woodard – is there really anything we can say about the art at this point that we haven't said many, many times before? I actually didn't know it was him initially because I, do, I don't always look most of the time I do. But if I'm just kind of – especially if it's late at night. You couldn't have gotten to the second page without seeing That's the thing. I, 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 I'm looking at it and I'm seeing different things. And then it was the shot, of course, with the woman in the air. And there's no mistaking a Greg Land comic because – the women all look the same. Mm-hmm. And especially this porn shot yet again that he traced of her in the air. And you're like, oh, God, Vince, you made me read a goddamn freaking Greg Land comic again. Well, because I remember when they were leading up to, you know, big, all new, all different lineup. This is one of the ones that at least theoretically we could have been interested in because we liked a lot of what Colin Bunn did on the Magneto solo series. And this was kind of him building off of that with Magneto bringing together, you know, his version of the X-Men with outcasts and villains and what have you. 
to try and drive forward, you know, his ideal of what Xavier's dream would be. And we're like, okay, that sounds like it could be pretty cool. Some of the characters are fun. And then we read that Greg Land was drawing it. We're like, oh, again, Greg Land drawing another good comic that and then we read it and he can have it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not I'm not upset. <laughs> yeah. Can definitely have it. I, conceptually, like you said, conceptually it could have worked. At least in this first issue, it was largely uninteresting and the only parts that stood out were the bad ones i like, i don't I, know what the hell happened to monet like she was a cool freaking character across um was it x factor and then when she showed up in the the x-men comic where it was the the full female team she is a great character and this isn't her Again, it's all this flirtatious ego crap, which fits perfectly with Greg Land's artwork, as it would happen. <laughs> this is tr- maybe he was writing for the artist. I don't know. And uh, but yeah, and it's just was horrible. I I just the dialogue between them was so contrived; it was unbelievable. The plots are horrific, just stupid and terrible and poorly written. And I just from beginning to end, did not enjoy it at all. At all, at all, at all. And friggin' Sabretooth. He's still got the Axis thing going on. <laughs> they they somehow fixed Tony Stark. Don't ask me where, don't ask me how, but Tony Stark isn't evil anymore, and yet Sabretooth still has that twisted polarity, psychological, whatever the hell they called it, where he's still kind of almost a good guy. Well, that's because Wolverine's not there and they need a Wolverine on the team. That's the animal type character that is not bound by everybody else's ideas of what morals should be, you know, and as it pertains to killing or whatever. He'll maim you and be happy with that. So that's that's all that is. It's a logistics thing, not a logic thing. (laughs) That's a great way to put it. The only thing across this entire issue that I looked at and went, huh, I wish the rest of this was better because I want to know more is friggin' Archangel. Even that I couldn't care less about. Wait, if the rest of the comic had been good, like now, now that, that makes me that much more disappointed that the comic sucked because I really want to know what the hell's going on with Psylocke and Archangel because of all the history with those characters from Uncanny X-Force. I'm at the point where... That's been dragging on too long as well, in my opinion. And without any real Well, no, they had the whole thing where Archangel, you know, killed himself and became, you know, the the memoryless angel again. So, like, something happened that I'm curious to know what it is, but not curious enough to keep reading this freaking comic. Definitely not. I will talk during what we're reading about what is actually the the best ex-comic right now. We'll save that for later. It ain't this, is what I'm saying. <laughs> I think it's far and away, like not even a competition at this point. And we also had a mini series that premiered a couple weeks ago X Men, the worst X Men ever, written by Max Bemis, art by Michael Walsh and Ruth Redmond. I don't it's know a thing. what to think about this. Yeah, like it's a thing, definitely. It It has a fun hook of just this normal kid who's 
mind-numbingly average in every way in his real life, finds out he's a mutant and he's ecstatic because this is finally something that in his mind, you know, makes him special. He he finally has something up on the other kids, goes to the X-Men, <laughs> finds out he has literally the worst superpower ever. <laughs> and as a concept, I could be into it, but I think the first issue was like, okay, it's fun, but maybe once the whole thing is out, I'll check it out again. Mm, I didn't even think it was maybe. <laughs> I think that we're not the target audience for this. Mm-hmm. I think that this was for, and I'm assuming, a much younger audience. If you go into it with that in mind, suddenly it makes a little bit more sense. And it's like, okay, I see what you're doing here. That's cool. That's but, fine. Because it, it wasn't bad. Yeah, I don't know about that. It just that. You know, didn't do anything for me personally. Yeah. No, like it, I can't point at it and go, oh, this was poorly written. This was stupid. It's just eh, – yeah, There were different elements that I wasn't crazy about that were really, again, contrived and cliche. But again, if you go into it with the idea that this is – Again, same as, you know, Gotham Academy age group, then you're like, okay, well, I can see how someone in their teens might really get a kick out of some of this kind of thing. It's just that you can look to stuff that is written for that age group that is still written far better. Case of Such as Gotham Academy. Gotham Academy. So that's all I'm saying. Mm-hmm. And then switching over to the DC side. A uh, miniseries that I've been looking forward to, The Green Lantern Corps, Edge of Oblivion, written by Tom Taylor, art by Ethan Van Skyver and Jason Wright. Now, the first issue of this was largely set up. And of course, this is spinning off of the Lost Legions. I think it was supposed to be a regular series that was cut short into a mini. But I think they did a good job of setting it up of, OK, yeah, all this stuff happened before. Really, all you need to know is that the Green Lanterns are stuck in another universe. Like, the actual story of what happened before is irrelevant. Now it's about the story of them trying to get home. I thought that was pretty well handled of not dealing with a lot of the backstory, but somebody jumping in without having read it, I'm assuming you didn't feel left behind. I know. And I got what was going on, but I feel that they could have put a little bit more of the information that you find out towards the middle to the end at the beginning Without it being heavy-handed, it still could have been mm-hmm. presented in such a way that you still get a little bit better of an idea of what is going on. So, But it was still very good. I still enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, fair the enough. Uh, yeah, it's, it's largely set up for what's to come of them now finding this planet, mobile planet, what have you, whatever it is, of the other refugees of this universe and taking it upon themselves to protect them and try to get them somewhere safe as well, which is like the most Green Lantern thing I can think that they could have done with this story. And of course, there's shadowy figures. There's a plot going on. They don't want the Green Lantern's help. So for setting up what's going to be, I'm pretty sure it's just a miniseries this time around as well. I'm I'm liking it because I said I I started checking out the Legions Lost, Lost Legions, whatever it was called. I figured off the top of my head near the end. Like I read the last two issues, I think, and I was like, hey, this is actually pretty fun. It was just a big Green Lantern adventure, lots of light powers, lots of cool artwork, which again here, overall, the artwork was solid. But when the Green Lanterns and are doing their thing in the action shots, I thought it really jumped off the page. I really enjoyed it. So I can't say it's going to have this great plot development and this incredible character stuff. It could, but for so far from what we've seen in this first issue, it's going to be a solid story with a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. I, again, I enjoyed it. There were a few parts that were grown worthy again, like the squirrel was really stupid. 
and it did it lasted a couple of pages which is a couple of pages too much mm-hmm. and there was a lot of cliched crap but there was also some cool stuff too and well case in point like using the planet to create a star so that mm-hmm. the other green the lost lanterns know as cheesy as it was that that the, the, open the blackest night line i was like that was good yeah yeah and so and then when the the, the freaking dude pummels through the shield I, for a moment, just looking at the visual, was going, oh, it's the Black Lanterns. And then it wasn't. Like Black Lantern or like alternate universe parallax or something. Yeah. Like, and oh, the, this is this is a thing. Yeah. And then it wasn't. And I was like, oh, crap. Oh, well, yeah, well, maybe we it'll still, still be good. It still could be a thing. It, it might be. It might be. We'll I see. I mean, they got those weird symbols that look kind of like the, the various core symbols. So I, I think there's something more going on with those two. Yeah. It, it was cool. And I like the fish. He's the only before, animal one. The before I read this issue, one. I think I caught a like the headline of a review. I think it was on IGN was doing a review of this first issue and like and find out which of the lanterns dies. I was like, why would you put that in the headline? <laughs> so I'm like, oh, who are they going to kill? Like, well, you know, now you spoiled it. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay, you know, you, you can have him. <laughs> no, he was awesome. <laughs> Should have taken the goddamn squirrel. I would not have been upset with the squirrel. Yeah. yeah. Or guy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. And then another comic that wasn't even on my radar until the day it came out, because, you know, Tom Taylor had written Green Lantern Corps and said, we follow a lot of his work. And he's tweeting, oh, also out today, my first issue of Batman Superman. I was like, since when have you been writing Batman <laughs> Superman? Why is this the first I'm hearing about it? So we had Batman Superman number eight, written by Tom Taylor, art by Robson Roca, and at least a half dozen inkers and colorists. There's a lot of other people working on this comic. I'm fairly certain this is at least the third time since the New 52 came out that a Superman comic starts with him rescuing astronauts. Yeah, that's not surprising. <laughs> I don't want to see Superman rescuing any more astronauts. <laughs> if they can't do their job, they shouldn't be out in space. <laughs> but I liked this because it's a complete inverse of injustice. It's Batman and Superman as we know them as friends. And the the overall plot line in this, don't know where it's going. Honestly, not interested in it because it's just... It's the dynamic between those two that this comic is going to live or die on. And at least so far in the first issue, I think it worked out really well. Well, not the best Batman crossover I read this week. More on that in a bit. <laughs> well, that's unfair. This was actually still good. I didn't like the, the Lobo had to show up because he's yeah, one of my Yeah, once Lobo showed friends. up, I was like, oh, Come we're doing on. this. This but, is the thing that we're doing. And, and once again, too, this idea of... Superman just one-shotting whatever boss Batman happens to be fighting at the time and proving just how superior he is. But then, of course, Bruce can't just let it sit at that, so he barks the orders. I'll just take him to Arkham and get lost and meet me here. <laughs> and so there there are a few moments that were right, but there was also some, again, contrived crap. But I like the detective work involved, too, like when he's investigating mm-hmm. the corpse and uh, the different yeah, stuff, stuff going on. stuff Batman can do that Superman can't. Yeah, so it, it was... I wasn't I wasn't crazy about the art, I got to tell you. Yeah, it, it it's mm, it, yeah. it wasn't bad by any stretch, it's just not a style that I'm particularly that fond of. 
put it that mm-hmm. way so that it's not it, it wasn't very crisp yeah so but no it was i enjoyed it i enjoyed it it was uh it was i'm looking forward to reading some more of this too to see what's going on i said of all the batman superman team-ups i've read like i said the overall storyline is secondary to just the two of them you know how do they interact together how is their dialogue how is their personal storylines and I think we have some faith here that you know, Taylor knows these two characters pretty well, knows how they interact. And we saw a great bit of that in the Batcave scene with Alfred. Yeah. Alfred was the best character in this comic. Often is. <laughs> I like that. He, I like when Superman shows up, he's got a cup of tea in his hands. He's like, he didn't even know where it came from. <laughs> exactly. Like that's that, that was the perfect scene. I read that scene. I was like, okay. I don't care, Lobo, <laughs> Lost Kryptonians, whatever, that scene bought to another issue. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah, so there's some fun stuff out there, some not-so-fun stuff. What was the last time we had uh, DC ranking above Marvel in our weekly discussion? Yeah. More and more lately, though, I have to say. They're making some right choices with some of their their IPs, mm-hmm. which is getting us excited about them again. Which is nice because we haven't had that since, you know, with the, a few rare exceptions. Right. Since New 52. Like, really. Since before New 52, realistically. So, well, no, we were still excited about 52 and we were excited about the new series until, again, mm-hmm. 52 didn't stick the landing. But up until then, we were still looking forward to it. So this is, with the, again, with a few exceptions the first time where it's like, wow, there's a few series here that I'm really quite enjoying and looking forward to where they're going yeah because over the past couple weeks i've really scaled back a lot of my marvel reading because like i said not a lot of it is like oh this isn't good it's just it's not good enough for me to keep reading it on a month-to-month basis like yeah it it has momentum like guardians of the galaxy not a bad comic enjoyable but do i really need to keep reading it month to month or am i reading it month to month because i have been for the last several years yeah so I'm kind of scaling back on a lot of my Marvel stuff and seeing how that makes me feel. Yeah. Gives me a lot more free time. I'll tell you that much. There is that. <laughs> Those demons in for- Diablo are not going to kill themselves. Exactly. And until Marvel can release audiobooks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and what I have been reading this week, I only have two, but they're both Marvel comics, of course. <laughs> and I can't not talk about the final issue of secret wars if you weren't going to i was does it surprise you that i loved this how could you like this i loved it how how what is it about it that you actually enjoyed just because this was crap you're crap whoa that burned (laughs) hold on i need to go put some water on that jesus just the way it tied everything up and what it did for a lot of the characters involved. The really wrapping up the story Hickman's been telling for almost a decade now. I And you I just, don't think any of those plot twists or whatever you want to call them, wispy plot devices that were wrapped up were wrapped up just like, oh crap, what am I going to do here? Give me that, give me that. Okay, I'm going to make sense of this and just kind of Seriously, flinging parallel universes into the sky? Come I on. It. I love you. Have any idea how badly I want Jonathan Hickman to write another future foundation comic now? 
of Reed, Sue, and the kids exploring all these other universes, that would be my favorite comic in the world. There were too many things here where I'm like, oh, come on. Like, seriously, this is when it's things that don't feel like they are planned at all, but just, and I know Hickman plans. He probably has a chart (laughs) with all the things, but you're reading these things and it's like, seriously, this is, this is just, this is not wrapping something up that you've been planning. This is just, uh, I need to make this work. And I've only got, you know, a half hour to write this final issue. That's how it felt to me. It felt very differently to me. Yeah. And also, I really liked the stuff with Black Panther, like him facing down Doom. That was great. And then him, you know, doing using the time gem to kind of travel back to before, like the very beginning like of Hickman's first issue of Avengers is where he showed up. And now that paints a lot of things in a different light. Like now I'm looking at everything he's doing in Ultimates very differently. And now I'm excited to see what they do in the solo black panther series because he has a very different outlook on the marvel universe than anyone else does i won't poo poo on your parade anymore (laughs) but i hated this you're perfectly allowed to hate it just as i'm perfectly allowed to love it but you're wrong (laughs) no (laughs) this was crap Again, wrapping everything up using one character's unbelievable powers to do whatever the hell is needed to wrap every little plot device or plot or whatever that was spiraling out of control. And it's like, oh, but we have somebody here who can do whatever. So, boom, it's fixed. And it's like, oh, seriously? Like, come on. There's there's no consequences. Even Doom has got his face back. <laughs> there's no consequences for his godlike, ridiculous everything that happened and that he did during all of this event. And it's like, well, you know, you could have been worse. Here's a new face. But for me, that kind of spins in, okay, it, even to the point where he admitted Reed could have done better. Like the relationship between Doom and the Richards clan has been very complicated for a long time. And this was, if, if not Reed, then at least Franklin's way of trying to give Doom a fresh start. He's not. All right. Stay with me here. Oh, God. He's not a bad guy. <laughs> I knew he's, you were going to say that. He's just. He has a flawed outlook on the way things should be. So you give him a fresh start, give him his face, and he turns into the awesome character that teams up with Iron Man that we are loving so much. So as far as spinning him off into a new direction and allowing the character to be something different, which I don't know about you, but I've been enjoying that something different so far. I'm okay with it. Well, whatever. Mm-hmm. I, I got plenty more points, but we're going to run out of time. <laughs> we should have just talked about this for half That's hour. exactly what I was thinking. <laughs> well, the other comic I've been reading, and I talked about this a bit in our year-end wrap-up, was Weird World. I really enjoyed the Secret Wars mini. It was just so wildly different. It really caught my eye. The artwork was some of the best I've seen all year. And it was just a fun, weird, twisted fantasy story. But it revolved around this character, Archon, who's, for lack of a better term, Conan the Barbarian. So when I knew heard it was getting its own ongoing, I was like, 
okay, that's kind of a weird choice, but we'll see where it goes. And I'm expecting more of the same. So when I read the first issue, Archon was on literally one page. They pulled a switcheroo and the star of the series is a teenage girl from Earth who gets trapped on a weird, weird world and is traveling around with this awesome female barbarian wizard hunter. And it's a completely different comic from what the miniseries was. Issue two was an absolute blast. I loved it. It's it feels very heavy metal in the best way possible. And Mike Del Mundo is still ridiculous on the artwork, really brings this to life. And it's just, it's another story set in the same universe. And if you want something different out of Marvel, you can't get much more different than this. And it's a hell of a ride so far. So, oh man, what did they pull? A switcheroo? Nobody has said that since the 50s. (laughs) Shut up. I'm going to be saying it from now on. Which yeah, because really think it's normal for you. It sounds like breakfast cereal. <laughs> the kind that makes you poop. <laughs> Just go. <laughs> Who put raisins in my switcheroos? Damn it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Okay, best X-Men title right now, Extraordinary X-Men. Without a doubt. Again, it's not even a competition. Freaking awesome stuff. Lemire's doing a great job on it. Ramus, of course, is Ramus, so he's a god. But I love the dynamics of all of these characters together, actually. Which, I mean, mm-hmm. normally... We're, we're just starting to see it, too. Yeah. Normally, you you always have, though, those, you know, I kind of wish that X-Men wasn't in this series because I'm not crazy about them or whatever. This is awesome. Each of the characters is fantastic. Adding old man Logan and young Gene to this mix creates a really new feel to the series as well, mm-hmm. which is like, I mean, you can easily get X-Men burnout. Because there's so many X-Men titles and there has been for reading half of them anymore. Yeah, exactly. There's (laughs) a number of them. I'm not reading anymore either, but the, uh, it it is easy to just kind of say, okay, Jesus, enough with these guys, but enough is in here that is fun to read and the new dynamic with the inhumans as well and what it's doing to them and how they're handling it and this and that. Really freaking awesome. And and this gave us the opportunity to see a an all-out fight against Scott where it doesn't matter if Scott dies. You know, <laughs> you can Wolverine can try to claw him in half and we're gonna cheer for him. But you also see just how powerful Scott really yes. is. <laughs> kind of thing. And it's not gonna be as easy as we'd hoped to take him out. But uh no, everything. The um the I, I, I like that once again, and I don't know if it was necessarily intentional, but when Ileana's the one to save her brother and she's like saying, I don't need anybody to look after me. You have to listen. And and I don't think that it was ever written in that way with him protecting her because it's a man protecting a woman, but rather a big brother yeah. wanted to protect his sister. I have two sisters. I understand that. But 
it's nice that this character is like, no, 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 you don't understand. <laughs> like, that's, I, that's the way Ileana I, has always. Yeah. Been. So I don't need you protecting me. Don't sweat it. And uh, and yeah, no, it was uh, it was very cool. Aurora's the only one that I'm a little. She got a little Scott Summers towards the end. Yeah, it's a little much. And the grand know, maybe that's kind of the direction they're going, where whoever steps up to lead the X Men is going to inevitably kind of bring a soapbox with yeah. them wherever they go. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah. Anyways, did you read the latest Gotham Academy? Yes, I got through half of it, and it was like, ew. Yeah, the the whole the little anthology thing just wasn't working for me. Yeah, so I kind of stopped like, halfway. I, I through. get what they were doing, but not our age group. Yeah, one of those. Yeah. Web Warriors is freaking awesome. It's getting better. Web Warriors for me right now is better than Slot's Spider-Man because latest Spider-Man, I'm not enjoying it. And and it's not just that it's like, eh, it's not as good as Slot's normal stuff. I'm actually not enjoying it. Hmm. There's a lot of parts that I'm really not crazy about. Web Warriors, freaking awesome. Consistently. So it's like, okay, well, I guess I know where my money's going. And just the genius of you need to get away from Electro, where do you go? The universe with no electricity. Yeah. And that really opens up the possibilities of what they can do with this series. Like everybody loved Lady Spider. You know, we got that one little side story of hers in the first issue. And now we see, okay, all those other cool Spider characters that we liked, they're still in the field. Yeah, we can still go there. We can still get them. Yes, we have this core team of this half dozen characters, but there's going to be a lot of team up issues, and that's exciting. Yeah, yeah. And I am hoping that they will use this opportunity to branch out and maybe like invent yet more cool spider people as well. So we'll get, I mean, because again, we got the lady spider and we got some other ones too that are, that were invented for this event and it wound up being characters that we absolutely love and are happy to now see in this. So I'm hoping that we may actually get more of that. Uh, maybe it was just me. I got so excited because I forgot Uncle Ben had powers. Right. <laughs> I was like, oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> Did you read the new Swan thing number one? I tried. Okay, good. I feel better because I wanted to know from somebody who like Swamp Thing if they enjoyed it. Here's the thing. I don't like Swamp Thing, the character. I really liked the new 52 Swamp Thing between Scott Snyder and Charles Soule. Guess what the element of that that I liked? It was the writing. The story was good. So this uh, with Len Wein stepping in, who created Swamp Thing, what, four years ago, I think? He was basically writing a Swamp Thing comic from the 70s or 80s in 2015. And... Cool, do your thing, but that's not for me. Yeah. I was excited too because I loved the new 52 Swamp Thing stories, but this wasn't that. Yeah. I decided to check out The Walking Dead 150. <laughs> and, and I figured there's probably going to be a ton that you need to know to be able to enjoy this. But maybe it'll be starting something fresh, maybe whatever. But he tends to look as, at, at those issues, those big issues, as a climax to an ongoing story kind of thing. I got oh, halfway through this and went, nope, nope, I don't miss it. 
<laughs> it just wasn't good. Okay, last one. The most important friggin' comic book of the week. Batman Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Now the I car. I I forgot about it. Seriously? I Until you tweeted oh about my it last night. God. I saw that and I was like, oh my God, I missed it. Oh, dude, I don't want to spoil it. No, go ahead. It's all right. It was just too How cool. How much are you going to spoil about Batman Ninja Turtles? <laughs> well, <laughs> okay, I'm going to try my best not to. <laughs> okay, because seriously, it's fun just to read. The they they actually make sense of the two of these being together they, in this universe, whatever you want to call it, that they're together. It actually is starting to make sense. And there's still pieces of the puzzle kind of that we still don't know that is being revealed. So it's like as you're going, you're figuring out more. But what you do know makes enough sense that you're on board with it. And so it's like, yeah, okay. Because it's not that the turtles have always existed in this world. They're just there all of a sudden. So it works. It works really quite well. Another thing, too, is whenever writers are mashing together two heroes, it's always a question of, well, neither one of them can technically win. Unless it's, you know, Booster Goal and somebody else. Then Booster Goal can get the crap. <laughs> Kick that up. <laughs> but no, you they each need to be, because in their comics, most of the time, they are the greatest kind of thing. So here the turtles are the most fearsome fighters kind of thing. And Batman is the same thing in his. So it's one of those, well, how are you going to handle that when they actually fight? And it's handled really well, like really, really, really well. <laughs> and then the impact that Batman has on the turtles afterwards is hysterical. It's just freaking Awesome. But every part of this, not only A, makes sense, but is cool. The car notwithstanding. And and a couple of other panels that were off. The dimensions were off. Where you're going, well, that's really noticeably off. But other than those, the art in this is ridiculous. Like, freaking ridiculous. Well, you saw the picture that I tweeted, mm-hmm. the couple actually, I think. But uh but yeah, that that one was like, Oh my god, that <laughs> it was insane how good the art is. And again, the story is great. And very text heavy, which normally I would think ah, that that's too much, but it works throughout for this. You you don't you feel like you're getting a lot more of a very good story. Cool. I freaking loved it. And that's it for me. All right, then. This week's selected new releases from Marvel. We have the long-awaited return of Captain Marvel number one, Deadpool number six, Hercules number three, Ms. Marvel number three, New Avengers number five, Dan Slott's Silver Surfer returns with issue number one, and Star Wars 15, seeing where things go after Vader down. From DC, we have Batgirl number 47, Batman number 48, Batman and Robin Eternal number 16, and then two new miniseries that actually look pretty interesting. We have The Legend of Wonder Woman and Poison Ivy, Cycle of Life and Death. Again, some new stuff from some new creators that I'm really interested in checking out. Image has a great week this week. We have I Hate Fairyland number four, of course. Pencil Head number one. This actually looks pretty interesting. It's a fictionalized version 
of the creator's journey through the comics industry. Looks very entertaining and very thought-provoking at the same time. Hmm. Phonogram, the Immaterial Girl, wraps up with its final issue, number six. We have Postal, number nine, Tokyo Ghosts, number five, and Wayward, number 13. From from Dark Horse, we have Dragon Age, Mage Killer, number two. From IDW, Transformers, number 49. From Udon, Street Fighter Unlimited, number two. And finally, from Valiant, Wrath of the Eternal Warrior, number three. So that's going to wrap us up here at Comic Book Informer. As always, you can find us online at comicbookinformer.com. Roger, good job getting us on Stitcher finally. We were always there. What are you talking about? Pretty sure we weren't. I'm just saying we were. (laughs) There's no proof now that we weren't. I'm just saying we were. (laughs) Or you can find us on Twitter at CB Informer. And until next week, thanks for listening. Make sure to stop by comicbookinformer.com and let the guys know what you think in the comments. If you'd like to hear more from Roger and Vince, check out Popcorn Ronin, a bi-weekly movie, TV, and anime podcast, as well as For the Lore, a weekly gaming podcast.